Hi, I'm Gary Schleifer, and this is Beyond the Page, brought to you by Choice, the magazine of professional coaching. Choice is more than a magazine. It's a community of people who use and share coaching tools, tips, and techniques to add value to their businesses and impact their clients and their own lives. And we'll find out more about that in today's episode. It's an institution of learning built over the course of 20 years. Yes, this little baby's been around for 20 years, and we celebrate with our logo if you can have a copy. Um, we've been dedicated to improving the lives of coaches and their clients. In today's episode, I'm excited to be speaking with author, executive coach, trainer, and consultant, Joseph O'Connor, who's the author of the article in our latest issue entitled, Value Yourself First, The Impact of Coaching on the Coach, which I am dying to talk about. He's the author of 19 books about coaching, neuroscience, neurolinguistic programming, training, communication skills, management, and system thinking. Ah, I don't know what else you could add in there. His books have been translated into 30 languages and have sold over half a million copies worldwide. His latest book is Coaching the Brain, Practical Applications of Neuroscience to Coaching, and was published internationally by Rut Rutledge. Did you say Rutledge or Rutledge? Yeah. Rutledge. Rutledge in just, February. Just, yeah, just, just swing just over the first syllable. Yeah, right. exactly. In February of 2019, <laughs> Joseph is a global director and co-founder of the International Coaching Community, ICC. He founded the Neuroscience Coaching Center in 2019 for coaches to have access to the best neuroscience resources for coaching. His vision is to contribute to an integrated model of coaching, physical, mental, and spiritual, to help all to act with practical wisdom in an increasingly complex world. Wow. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Gary. Great yeah. to be here. Yeah. All the way from the UK, another Commonwealth country, just like here in Canada. And of course, we do what we always do in Commonwealth countries, talk about the weather and how hot it is in both countries. <laughs> <laughs> I I think, I, yeah, we can skip that, I think. It's just I too so in too. both countries. Yeah, exactly. We could go on. You know, one of the things I loved is that our art director did this um, this particular uh, image, which just goes to show you how well she connects with the article because, you know, you spoke about traveling uh, before COVID and how you had memorized the... If that's not, uh, what is, oh, here we go. In the likely event of a loss of cabin pressure, Oxygen mask will drop from above. Secure your own mask before helping anyone else. Uh, how true, how true. And this article really speaks about that. It's about the, the coach and, and what's the impact, both positive and negative, on it. But why did you decide to write it? Well, um, it was an interesting, you know, knowing that, uh, that you were doing an issue on the impact of coaching, and it was artfully vague. And um, I mean, I, I just like to look at, at perspectives that aren't necessarily so well covered. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when you talk about the impact of coaching, you've got the imp immediately your mind goes to the impact of coaching on the business, for example, mm -hmm. and the ROI and this sort of stuff. And that's that's important. Uh, you have the impact of coaching on the individual coachee, which, of, of course, is, is linked to the to the institutional one and uh, measured in different ways. But sometimes what gets forgotten is the impact of coaching on the coach themselves. They kind of get left out of the equation. And I think that's um, sad. And I think it's very important as well because 
uh, any coaching session is a co-creation between a coachee and a coach. You know, mm-hmm. we make it together in a particular context, and there is impacts on on all parties. And I, I got interested in well, okay, so um, as a coach, and the coach is the the instrument, as it were, the human being is the mm-hmm. instrument of change in that situation, brought into a context, brought into um, to, to talk with the coachee. So then you better pay attention to the instrument and, and how sharp it is and whether it gets blunted down mm-hmm. by repeated use and, uh, <laughs> and whether the metaphor gets outworn. <laughs> yeah, well, then that's a good point, because many coaches spend a lot of time sharpening their instrument by you know, training, neuroscience and NLP and adding to their toolbox. And what you focus on in this article is more about the, the well-being and of the coach and the impact. And what I and so thank you for doing that, because, wow, I can't tell you how much my clients have impacted my life. And you speak about that quite, quite well in the in the article. But I it's a it here's here's the thing. The amazing thing I see is how often what I'm coaching the client about is also something that's going on in my life. Okay, so you're an NLP and all that sort of stuff. Is that, did I cause that or did that just a coincidence, synchronicity? Sorry, the, in, you mean in, in the, in that context of, you know, when I'm coaching the client and they're so many times, I just, I, I have you here. I figure, well, I'll toss this one out and see if we can answer it. But is it, is it some, universal energy that's causing that client to have a topic that connects or do we just have so much going on that it's chances are pretty likely i'd win the lottery on this one uh yeah i i I don't know um in the end i suppose it doesn't matter but uh, i think the universe is is basically benevolent and will not always in the way that we would like but it would basically serve you up things to to help you to develop (laughs) well thank you (laughs) this isn't always uh we don't always appreciate this, put it that way. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, clients will will challenge you. They'll challenge you in your own weaknesses. Yeah. They'll, they'll reflect back your own weaknesses very often. Sometimes you think, you know, is this me or is this the client? And yeah. you've got to deal with it. You're, you know, you've got to deal with your own self. Yeah, yeah, true that. And it, you know, and to your point, it is the universe can gives you things in strange ways and. That's one of them for me. And I'm, I'm not, I was just wondering, not questioning. I'm happy that this happens. My job is to not get hooked or triggered by it and stay present. And, you yeah. know, speaking of triggering, you spoke about that in the art, you wrote about that in the article, clients often trigger the coach. Now I'm guessing there's a positive and negative triggering. What do you mean by that? And give us some examples. Yeah. Well, you know, when I use the word trigger, sometimes uh, that we assume that triggering is bad, you know, that it's mm-hmm. a gun or you get triggered, something bad happens. Um, not necessarily. I mean, of course, um, I think we're always responding emotionally to each other. Um, and sometimes clients can, can kind of elicit uh, thoughts, feelings from the coach um, that are difficult for the coach then to deal with and especially difficult then to deal with the client who's holding up the mirror Mm. Uh, and you end up uh, at worst case dealing with yourself you know in the mirror 
rather mm. than than the client. So sometimes, yes, you you'll. It's important to know when. Um, you, you've got to make sure that you're always dealing with the client and not your reflection. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is that um, sometimes clients will trigger particular emotions. And this is useful to know. I mean, for example, for me, um, very often I'll find myself feeling um, impatient. You know, why, why don't, come on, let's, let's cut to the chase here. Let's get to the point. Come on. Just, you know. Stop messing around. <laughs> yeah. And then I have to ask myself, well, okay, is, is this me? Um, or are they actually, have they actually got something to say and they're, they're kind of not saying it or they're trying right. to say it? Or how can I best help them articulate what they need to articulate rather than focusing on my particular impatience so they want mm. to do something to, to satisfy that? Yeah. So it, it works in many different ways. And also it, it can also trigger or elicit um, some, some positive emotions too. So it, it works yeah. in many ways. You just, I think what's important is to be aware of what's happening in yourself so that you can always have that uh, distance where you are able to help the client mm -hmm. rather than kind of getting lost in the problem. Yeah. Well, and I, and I said earlier, it's just a reminder to be present and being present is to notice what's going on for yourself. And I'm also learning, I'm in a, a MCC training course. And what I'm also learning is it's an opportunity to reflect that back to the client and say, I'm feeling very impatient here. Are, is that something that's going on for you as well? Or, 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 right. So it's, it can bounce right back as a tool into support uh, the, the coaching. Oh, absolutely. I mean, sometimes, you know, you, I would feel impatient and the client may then start talking about how other people lack patience with them. So then, you know, the coach, as a coach, you have the choice about listening or, or saying something like, well, that's interesting because I'm noticing in myself right. the same sort of thing. Now, what do you think it is about this situation, this interaction and the way that you're interacting? that is triggering that in me and also in other people mm -hmm. uh, and you you won't get to say something like that if you're focused then on uh you know your impatience and they need to get on with it yeah yeah so yeah that, that can sometimes happen as well and it's very interesting then because then see the other people won't tell the, the coachee why they're impatient they just say get on with it you know something yeah. wrong with you but as a coach <laughs> you can say Okay, I'm feeling this now. Let's let's explore together what's happening because this is this is like a little uh, opportunity um, to find out what what's happening in these interactions, and then yeah. they can turn the light on themselves what they're doing, yeah, uh, and learn a lot from that, which they wouldn't be able to learn otherwise, or it would be very difficult because most people in work don't give you straightforward feedback. <laughs> of course not. That, that's <laughs> why that's why coaches make a living. Uh, <laughs> it's really great. No, and you know, I was noticing also reading rereading the article that you you know we're talking about triggers, not triggers, and things like that. But also, what your clients try to get you to do. I like that part. Um, you know, how many times, like even as early as yesterday, one of my clients gave a scenario and then said, "Okay, Gary, tell me what I should do." And then I, of course, I don't. I've stopped point blank saying, "No, I don't do that." I say, well, let me reflect back what I've heard. 
and let's see what you hear in all of that. And so I found a way to redirect advice giving or, you know, consultative work, stuff like that. Um, anything more you want to say about that particular aspect of taking care of yourself as a coach? Um, well, yeah, there's, I mean, there's several things. Great example you gave uh, about that. And, and I remember one of the very first, one of the very first rule that I ever learned in coaching many, many, many years ago, as far as coaching ever has rules, is that if a client says, what should I do? You have to answer in some kind of way, well, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in this sense, you want me to tell you what to do. Now, um, that's interesting in itself. Right. You know, coaches are, are people who want to help. You know, we, we right. are people who absolutely want to help. And sometimes we can get pulled uh, into helping in ways that are not helpful in the long run for the client, uh -huh. like, you know, trying to solve their problem for them. Um, and, and it just kind of it's like a key in a lock, you know, it just catches us sometimes. And and we're that sort of person. And so we we move into that that uh, way of, of acting, which we know so well, uh -huh. um, and it's not necessarily appropriate for the for the client. Yeah. And I think that is a that is a, a, a difficulty for anyone in a kind of change helping profession, particularly yeah. therapists, of course, because yeah. the, uh, the the problem on the other side is that much more intense. Right. Yeah. Well, I've recently heard it said that if you leave a coaching call feeling like you've done more work than the client did. You're not doing it right. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. that's right. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? But at the same time, uh, I think as a coach anyway, you, you, well, I certainly think about, well, what did the clients say and, and try and understand that and, and ready for the next session. Mm -hmm. But also I like to think about, well, what did I learn from that? You know, what sort of things did I actually take from that? Right. And I always get interested in my um, my fleeting emotional, uh, or, you know, I look at my my diary and say, oh, yeah, okay, so uh, there's my next client. And then I, I become very sensitive to what is that fleeting emotion that goes through? Mm. You know, kind of uh, a bit is it a kind of impatience or anger or, or, or oh god no not this or, client again not this one again what, <laughs> or you know oh god i just can't understand them they, they're going to drop me you know unless i do a good job and and i think that's very interesting because it, it right. then shows you the sorts of, of things to, to watch out yourself mm. and in that sense make you a better coach make you able to help the client more better results and so it moves on yeah it's yeah. it's a bit of it's a bit of judo it's a bit of martial arts rather than trying to do it directly <laughs> you use the, the the energy of yourself with the client to to let that happen yeah well it goes goes back to dancing in the moment dancing with the client you know you alluded to something though you said diary but you also said writing and journal you you recommend coaches keep a learning journal Tell us a bit about more about that and what you've learned from your clients. Oh, um, wow. Many things uh, on different levels. I've, I've learned a lot about uh, what they do on one level. So, you know, I've, just for some random reason, I seem to have had many clients in, in financial services and many clients in energy services. Oh, okay. And they are both fascinating areas 
uh, that so many people either take for granted or make snap judgments about or, or just say, you know, <laughs> that's not, not for me. Right. It's fascinating, the, these areas. And God, I can remember, uh, oh, back in 2006, 2007, I was coaching a, a merchant banker, really intelligent guy. And he was talking about his work. And I can remember him saying, um, there's a sickness in this. There's going to be a big crash really soon. <laughs> I, you know, at the time I thought, well, okay, yeah, merchant banking, we're used to kind of crashes and up and everything uh -huh. else. But by God, he was, he was right. Um, which also then makes me think of there are some people uh, in any area who are, uh, wise enough to be able to see beyond what's mm -hmm. what's happening and to be able to not exactly predict but at least say look if you keep on doing what you're going to do what you're doing then that's going to happen so that's one area uh, the other area is simply different ways of thinking um, because you give anyone a problem and they'll tackle it with a particular way of thinking that they've uh, built up that they're good oh, yeah. at particularly um, and, you know, we're all good at, at particular ways of thinking about things and, and coaches right. have a lot of these, but executives have some amazing ways of looking at things. Um, and, and, you know, they're describing what they're thinking in a meeting or a uh -huh. teamwork or, or an executive decision. And I'm going, wow, I would never have considered that. <laughs> and it, it just, I feel just, you know, my, my blinkers just widen a little bit right um, in many ways so um there's just a, there's just so many things that, that coaches can learn yeah well no kidding right but you know the idea of keeping a learning journal i mean wow that'd be a book unto itself things i've learned from you know a compendium things i've learned from my clients yeah you know yeah, yeah. yeah. honor intuition there's a sickness i love what that merchant banker said the intuitive words were there's a sickness I'm like wow brilliant and sure enough there was right yeah. um so we you talked a lot about um in, in here about coaches impact on coaches and and alluded to taking care of their well-being and effectiveness what's your recommendation for our, our coaches oh i i really believe that uh any coach well everybody really but only particularly if you're in sort of profession of a coach of helping other people and changing um to have some kind of meditation practice, mm -hmm. some kind of mindfulness stroke meditation practice. There's many different ones. You find one that really works for you. The, especially the neuroscience research behind the benefit and effectiveness of some kind of regular meditation practice is it's, it's just cast iron, you know, you, there's mm -hmm. no arguing about it. Um, and that's that's the hard neuroscience point of view, <laughs> let alone anything else. You know, if you right. want your brain to work better, if you want to your attention to be clearer, if you if you want to be more emotionally resilient, and um, that's what to do. Quite apart from the fact that uh, it's going to help you um, stay apart from these trains of thought, not only the client's one, so that you don't kind of get engrossed in their story right uh, but also your own trains of thought and then you can say well you know this you know the saying that there's we all have trains of thought but we don't want to jump on them necessarily mm -hmm. 
very much pick the ones that we jump on, if any. So it gives you um, a clarity of mind over time that I think is really important. That would be my number one recommendation. Yeah. Okay. So help me out. Maybe some of our listeners are too. I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm not a fan, but I don't, I don't know what's the best meditative practice for me. Like, for example, if I do yoga, I start laughing and I, I can't attend the class. It just, it just, I, it kills me. It makes me laugh so hard. I fall. I can't keep a position and meditation to me. When I hear meditation, I hear, you know, hours of sitting in silence and, and, you know, contemplating your navel, so to speak, what would you recommend for us for a starter like myself or something that, that is easy to maintain? Yeah. <laughs> I like your yoga session. So, I mean, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately they're trying to keep the peace and the calm. I just, I gave away my yoga mat. It was just, it, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, in terms of meditation or, or mindfulness, yeah, there's a lot of baggage behind it uh, from all sorts of places. And people think it's got to be serious and you've got to sit still and it's kind of, you know, uh, all of that sort of stuff. It's, it's not really. It, it's, it's, it's rather like, um, I mean, one of the, the best examples I heard is that a snow globe you know about these in Toronto, mm -hmm. right? These glass globes. <laughs> we definitely know about snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes. uh, you know, you have these ornaments, glass globe, little, little uh, yeah. picture. And when you shake it, right, it makes a big snowstorm. Okay. So that's normally what our mind is doing. Mm. It's it's somebody, you know, it's shaken it up. All sorts of things happen. We read the paper, we read the news, we talk with someone, and this, you know, let's shake up the snow globe. And you can't see very clearly when that happens. Um, meditation on one level is simply letting that snow, you know, putting down the snow globe, not shaking it and letting that snow settle. So you can actually see what's there. Mm. And that's a peaceful and pleasant process. And although some people may kind of think oh, it's an effort, you know, an effort to do that yeah i think that's um, the great you, word all you, all you do is you you observe your effort that's all you oh. say oh that's interesting you know i'm finding this an effort that's another bit of snow jumping around right so you're oh. you can always observe whatever's happening you can just let it settle and then there's a clarity about that where um you can allow the world to come to you instead of imposing our our snowy landscape on it wow you had me at the snow globe the snow jostling around and then settling i i was almost sitting here thinking i'm in a meditative state just listening to you tell that story like the because i was picturing it you had me like i was thinking of the snow globe we have in the cupboard over here but yeah well thank you yeah that's very helpful it's uh, very helpful and from what i'm hearing it doesn't have to be complicated or stressful <laughs> definitely never not be stressful no it doesn't have to be two hours it can be just a few minutes right you know a few minutes is better than nothing yeah true you know i i i practice spending at least five minutes before a call letting the dust settle on what i was just doing clearing my desk 
reviewing some notes from the previous conversation and kind of getting myself into a mental picture of being back with the client I'm about to coach. And sometimes my little phone Fitbit app has two minute calm and two minute meditation. And mm -hmm. I'll just sit and do that. If I just mm -hmm. feel too much like the snow globe just won't settle down. I am so going to use that from now on. Great. I love that. I love that. <laughs> People around, around me are going to be like, uh oh, he's going <laughs> to tell the snow globe story again. Right. Yeah, you're going to have to uh, go and buy one. Then you can, yeah. you can show it to them. Oh, yeah. No, we have, like I say, we have one in the cupboard oh, okay. in the other room. Yeah. So I'll dig it up. Wow, Joseph, this has been awesome. I'm, we could talk all day about this. I do want to ask you, though. So you wrote the article, you saw it published. Was there anything you you thought, oh, I wish I'd put that in there, or I'd like to like wish they could know more about this? I can't think of anything. I mean, I'd like to I would have liked to have, have expanded some of the 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 things. Um, but you know, there's a whatever it was, number of words. <laughs> <We're that's laughs> cool. I mean that, but that's good. That's a discipline. Right. right, because then you you have to really we're we're a bit kind of fluffy with words, aren't we? We have so many of them that, that we just you know just keep using them. If you really have a discipline of this, it'll be a thousand words. So make every one count. Then that's a discipline of writing. But mm -hmm. um, and you should know really with all good. your books. Well, yeah. you know, you've spoken a number of things about what what would you like our audience to do? What's one thing you want listeners and readers to do as a result of this article and conversation? I, I guess it's got to be um, turn the attention inwards every now and then. Don't forget yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not you know, I'm not saying be selfish and, and think of yourself all the time, but but you you're part of that co-creation with other people, right. and um, if we're always, you know, out, the the world mm -hmm. is a very interesting, fascinating, and hypnotic place, and if we're always out there, uh, and we don't really attend to to what's seeing. Mm -hmm. um, we we will miss out and we will be less effective and we will be less happy. So, uh -huh. you know, a happy coach is a good coach. Right. right? Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it goes, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation the beginning of the article, take care of yourself first. Like it's not selfish. You can't give if you, if your well is dry, right. Yeah. You have to Absolutely. replenish, refuel, you know, get yourself ready. And sometimes that's, you know, what you're saying, reflective practices, journaling, meditation, things like that. So, wow. Awesome. Like I say, we could go on all day, the two of us, yeah. um, but I have to end and wrap. I want to thank you so much for joining us for this beyond the page episode. Uh, what's the best pay, uh, best way for people to reach you? Um, Joseph at coaching the and the, um, the, the website is coachingthebrain.com. So that's fairly simple. Super simple. Let's coach the brain. Yay. Thank yeah. you very much. And that's it for this episode of Beyond the Page. For more Thanks episodes, subscribe via your favorite podcast app or on our website, as Joseph and I were talking about, uh, choice-online.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for your free digital issue of Choice Magazine by clicking the sign up now button. 
I'm Gary Schleifer. Enjoy your journey to mastery.